0: Is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Um, We'll continue our series on Who You Say I Am. Uh, We'll be exploring our identity in Christ and, in particular, we'll be looking at our identity as his saints. Um, so let me quickly give you an outline to my sermon so that you can follow along and, and, uh, and uh, not lose me uh, in case I go off my notes. Um, so we'll be looking at rescued, how God rescues us um, uh, from death and from our sins. Um, then our new identity, when God rescues us, he gives us a, a new identity and we'll be exploring that a little further. And then we look at identity crisis, where uh, there are times that we struggle with this identity that God has given us. So we'll look at that a little bit. And then finally, we look at how we live out in this new identity, what that looks like. Um, so let me quickly pray. Uh, I know Hilary has already prayed for me, but <laughs> I calm my nerves. <laughs> Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Um, uh, Father, I pray that you will fall afresh on us this morning. Um, Father, um, that, um, Lord, that uh, you will um, uh, reveal yourself to your people, that what your um, heart is for them, oh God, and that, uh, um, Lord, that we will uh, see ourselves as you see ourselves, oh God. And Father, I pray that you will give me strength as I speak uh, this morning and that your pres- your, your Precious spirit will be present among us in Jesus' name. Uh, um, So before we came to Christ, the the word says that we were dead in our sins and in our transgressions. And the Bible uh, describes, uses different phrases or different descriptions to tell us what we were before we came to Christ. Um, It uses words like once... um, uh, you, you are your enemies of God. It says once you did not receive mercy, it says you were not his people, you were not part of his covenant, his promises were not for you. you were without God and without hope. And those are the kind of words the Bible um, speaks over us before we ever came to Christ and that's very uh, scary. It's, a, it's a, not a good place to be. But, the scripture says, but, because of his great love and his mercy, he raised us up with Christ. It even says he, he seats us in the heavenly places. In Colossians, the Bible says that he, God rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us Into the kingdom of his son Jesus. Who purchased our freedom. And forgave us our sins. See the good news of the gospel is that. Jesus died to set us free from sin. Free from bondages. Free for us to be whom God created us to be. Church we are a redeemed people. We are a people who have been purchased. Not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can never be the same again. We can never think of ourselves the same again. And we are not the same again. And you see, when God rescues us, he gives us a new identity. You know, the key to understanding our new identity is to understand God's heart for us. In, in Ephesians, the Bible says that before he chose us in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. It goes on to say that he predestined us in love to adoption to sonship. You know, the um, uh, our identity is born out of God's heart for us. The the best example that I can think of is, and that's the most glorious um, um, parable that Jesus said, of the prodigal son. Here we see a rebel who has gone away from God, who has walked out, and um, he's at the lowest in his life. He's with the pigs, he's eating pigs' food. He's dirty, he's stained, and then he decides to come back to the Father. And maybe his dirty clothes signifies for us our sin. Maybe we are, some of us were, as filthy as that. With uh, uh, pig's food and uh, smelly and uh, that's what we were before. But when he comes back to the father, the father runs to him. The father runs to him and he takes hold of him. He says even he kisses him. And he says... Son, you were once lost, but now you are found. He calls him son. But the, the, the son still has the mentality, still has the attitude of where he was. And he says, no, but, 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 but let me be a servant in your house. Let me be a servant. But the father would have none of it. None of it. And what does he do? Not only does he call him son, he clothes him. With a a new robe. He puts a ring on his finger. He puts shoes uh, for his feet. He gives him a new identity. No, your old clothes have been taken away. I'm giving you a new robe. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does to us when we come to him. He says we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And it's only then, once he gives us this new identity. Once he adopts us into his, into his family, God calls us, he speaks over us, and he gives us all these new new phrases over us. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are uh, the people of God. I am your God. You are my ch- You are our children. It says you are a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And he says, you are a saint, uh, which means a holy people set apart for God. And the scripture, you know the scripture at every turn, it calls us saints. It's as if God is reminding us over and over and over again who we are in him. Every New Testament that you turn to, it says saints. If if you read Romans, you turn to Romans, it says uh, to all that in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. To the church of God at Corinth. You know, the Corinthian church, they were not a very uh, good uh, church. <laughs> we really will look like saints compared to them. If you read Corinthians, you, you, you will know <laughs> what I mean. But it says, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be Saints. Then he says to the uh, church in Ephesus, to the saints which are at Ephesus. And it goes on and on. And he calls us saints because he has indeed set us apart. So to understand our new identity, you know, we, it's not because of what we have done or what we have not done. It is what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. You've got to understand this. So, the Son of God comes down to earth pure and holy. The Bible says the spotless Lamb of God without sin. And He lives a perfect life that we couldn't live. He fulfilled every law. Every law that we break, the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled. And He offers Himself as the perfect, blameless sacrifice on our behalf. And then, His righteousness is attributed to us, it's given to us. That's the cloak of righteousness that we wear. So when we come to that understanding, we need to humbly accept that. We shouldn't be like the prodigal son who said, no, let me be a servant. No, let me be a sinner. No, it is the righteousness of Christ that has been clothed upon us. So you might think that uh, my identity doesn't matter, or what's you know um, the people I've spoken to sometimes say, or oh, it doesn't matter what identity I have. no, it does matter. you know, as you know, I was born and bred in uh, Sri Lanka, and um if you have ever traveled on a Sri Lankan passport overseas, <laughs> you know how difficult that is, right? You get stopped at every airport um uh, you know, you get questioned. Uh, because, you know, I can understand that. And uh, because of our civil war, people people want to escape, so they go and stay back and claim refugee status. So I understand all that. And um, I have had the bad luck of being <laughs> questioned at Heathrow when all my other colleagues were let go, and they kept me f- for more than an hour. Um, so I had this um, Sri Lankan mentality. But... When I came and I got my Australian passport, I can remember coming into Sydney and uh, there were two queues, uh, one for foreign passport holders and there were, that was a big queue, lots of people and one for Australian passport holders. Only a few people were there, a couple of people and for a moment I thought, oh, I need to stand on this uh, foreign passport queue and then I realised and something ha- said in my head, might. Might. <laughs> <laughs> you're an Aussie now, I have an Australian passport, so there I went and stood in the small queue and was able to come through, so who you think you are and understanding who you are in Christ, it matters, I'm just um, telling you a, a, a natural story, but even in the spirit, even in how we do life, your true identity, who you are now really matters, So the identity crisis, so if I ask you now, are you a sinner or a saint, what would you say? Don't answer me. Every time, every time a preacher had asked and I'd been sitting in the congregation, I used to cringe. I used to feel um, so uncomfortable because in theory my head says, yes, I am a saint, but in practice, I know I'm a sinner. So I was uh, writing my sermon down and, and, and trying to get it into my head. And I called my son and I asked my son, son, are you a sinner or a saint? And, and he said, uh, I'm a, a sinner, dad. And then I explained to him what uh, Christ has done for us. And uh, he nodded, he said, yes, dad. And then uh, a little later, my wife comes in and I greet her in the kitchen and I asked, uh, Christine, are you a sinner or a, uh, or a saint? And she didn't even bat an eyelid. She said, I'm a sinner. <laughs> and I tried to explain to her why she's not a sinner and a saint. And she just wouldn't, she just wouldn't uh, agree to it. She kept arguing, you know. This, all the wives argue with their husbands. And you can't win arguments with your wife, if you know what I mean. So I said, Oh, you sinful woman, depart from my presence. <laughs> and no dinner for me that night. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> but the, the gospel promises us freedom. But we we realize from our experience, we come to Christ, we get baptized, we are all excited. But sometimes we see the same desires that we had before cropping up. The same habits that we used to um, uh, of, um, have uh, uh, popping up now and then again. And um, sometimes we stumble, we, we fall and um, we wonder uh, what's happening. You know, is, is, is this true? Is this freedom that was promised to me, is it true? And then we read in the Gospels, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in Romans, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, he says in Romans 7, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And you go down to verse 19 of chapter 7, he says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this. I keep doing. Can you relate to this experience? Does does, um, uh, failure and sin still define you? You know, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness. And that's what we are supposed to exhibit. But sometimes we grumble, we judge. We speak words that we shouldn't speak. We get angry. We become bitter sometimes, and and we 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 basically sin. We still uh, uh, stumble. So where is the freedom that the gospel promised us? Do you feel like that sometimes? Do you struggle with that? Isn't that the reason why? Even if you ask me after preparing all this sermon, if you ask me, are you a saint or a sinner? <laughs> you know, it's a struggle to answer in, the, in, the, in my true identity. So, one of the authors, um, Jen Wilkin, uh, she says, maybe, maybe she suggests that um, it's nothing wrong with our salvation, it's nothing wrong with our repentance. Maybe it's the understanding of how the salvation process works out. So she explains it this way. She says the God that we serve, the God that we worship, says he was, he is, and he is to come. And salvation is kind of the same way. So remember three Ps before I start explaining the the category or process of salvation. Uh, The three little piggies, right? The three Ps. Uh, um, penalty, um, power, and presence. So the first thing that happens when we come to Christ is called justification. The Lord God forgives us. He cleanses us. We are saved. He sets us free from the penalty of sin. Why? Because Jesus Christ came and he took the penalty upon himself. In, in in the book of um, um, Isaiah, it it re- describes so clearly. He says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That's the peace that we have with God. Once we were enemies, when God forgives us because his son, Jesus Christ, took that punishment upon himself. There's another verse in the Romans, my favorite, he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So brothers and sisters, we are free from the punishment of sin. We don't have to fear death anymore. Um, You know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, especially new Christians, ask me this question. They say, if I'm, they're saved, they've said the sinner's prayer and they've been walking with the Lord, but they still think, oh, if I sin now and I get hit by a bus, am I going to hell? The the answer is no. It is no. Don't fear Death, don't fear separation from God. You're not going to hell if you have given your life to Christ. Your past, your present and your future sins like Dash was talking at the the communion message are forgiven. Isn't it? It's forgiven. So don't fear uh, death anymore. You've been justified. Then comes sanctification. That is, we still walk in the flesh. And as we saw, we still sometimes sin. We do stumble. But we've got the Spirit of God in us. The Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. He has poured out His Holy Spirit in us. So what the Holy Spirit does is, He convicts us of sin. Because before, we had no conviction. We could sin and we didn't even know we didn't even feel it that was okay but now when we sin the holy spirit convicts us and he brings us to repentance he cleanses us he works in us so even as we spend time in prayer in spend time in reading the word you know, we, we, we fellowship with our uh, uh, brothers and sisters in our connect groups, we hold each other accountable and as we do life, the Holy Spirit is slowly working in us step by step, step by step and the, the sin that once held us captive, the sin that had so much power over us keeps losing its power. It keeps losing its power because the Holy Spirit is enabling us and we, we, it keeps cleansing us more and more. Look at yourself 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and look at yourself now. I need a lot of more work to do. In, but I've come a long way too. You ask my wife. Right? So we are being sanctified. It may be a slow-moving process, and it will happen throughout our lives, but the Holy Spirit is working us, and that's called sanctification. So we are being set free from the power of sin. We were set free from the penalty of sin. We are being set free from the power of sin. And finally when we die. And we go, ho- go home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is in his presence. The last be In his presence. There is no sin. There is no temptation. There is no pain. And we will be in us. Uh, that's called glorification. We will be glorified. Just like the Lord himself. Will be in his presence. So that's the process that happens to us as God works it out for us. Um, finally, as uh, uh, living this out, living um, uh, the, the, uh, the, this out is a, again an important thing. The more we understand our identity, the more we believe in that identity. The more we hold on to that identity, the more in freedom of Christ we will live. Yeah? So, um, whose voice will you hear? That's what just Hillary, he just took my, maybe he glanced at my notes. (laughs) No, he didn't. I didn't show it to him. (laughs) But, um, that's what Hillary was saying. Whose voice will you listen to? Um, when I was little um, in school back uh, back in those days, uh, they had a, um, a class called clay work. There was pra- practical and 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 uh, theory, and um, I was bad at both. <laughs> so um, there was this uh, gentleman uh, who was our teacher, who was an elderly gentleman, and he was doing the theory, and the boys used to really annoy him, you know, throwing paper balls at him and calling him names and. Um, and he used to be really um, upset. And um, to, to be honest with you, I was a good kid. I never annoyed my teachers, really. Uh, I was a quiet kid. And, uh, but uh, my, my sketches were really bad. So when I went to show him my s- sketch, he was in a agitated state and, and my sketch was really bad too. And uh, he scribbled something on my book and, and he said to me, you will never make it in life. He, he didn't have the right to say that. I don't know why he said that. I understand he was, you know, upset with uh, all these guys, but he didn't have to say that to me. But it, that stuck in my head. This is like some, I don't know, 40 years ago maybe, but it's still it stuck in my head. And uh, every time I fail at something or, uh, you know, I, I, I um, don't achieve something, sometimes that little word. That voice comes back in my mind. And uh, I wonder, you know, this guy spoke over my life. Uh, And recently I was um, uh, with my kids and uh, I just mentioned this story to the kids. As I was preparing, I mentioned to Michelle and Aaron and uh, they were angry. They got really angry. And he said, dad, dad. Don't listen to that voice. What right has he got to say over that that over your life? And he said, Look at what you have done. You know, you came to this land and and you are provided for us, and they are, you know, telling me how successful I am, my kids. (laughs) God bless them. Um, But that's what Satan does to you, just like what Hillary said. That was a prophetic word from Hillary. Satan wants to bring us down. He wants to say that we are failures. But whose voice will you listen to? Will you listen to your heavenly father's voice? Or will you listen to the enemy's voice? You know, the Bible constantly reminds us, it constantly encourages us that we are a victorious people. You know, it says in I'll read a few of those. It says in Corinthians 15, verse 57, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 8:37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In Corinthians 2, verse 14, it says, But thanks be to God who in, who in Christ. Always leads us in the triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere. And Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And Romans, he says, your sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. So, I may not quoting all these in, in context. I know there are some budding theologians who will find fault. But uh, whatever the context is, whatever the situation in your life is, the Bible constantly tells you we will be victorious. Because not only has Christ won the victory for us on the cross, at the cross, but He also has put His Spirit within us who walks alongside us and helps us to overcome, to be victorious. So how does living in this new identity look like? How does it look like? Four, number one, as I said before, it says, before we came to Christ, we were dead in our sins. We we could not overcome sin. But now that we have the Holy Spirit in us, um, we are able to overcome. It says in, in, in Corinthians again, it says no no temptation has taken hold of you that is not uncommon to man. It says when you are tempted, God is faithful. He will, he will give you strength to stand up under it. He will not let you be tempted More than what you can bear. But he is faithful. And he will give you strength to overcome. Or to stand up under it. So, we might have stumbled more before. Right? We might still stumble once in a while. But our victories will outweigh our failures. Our victories will outweigh our failures. So, brothers and sisters, are you walking in that victory? Are you telling yourself... No, I've been set apart. I've been, I've been made holy. I've been sealed with the Spirit of God. I've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I have that Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Word says that the same power that conquered the grave is now within us. That is first and foremost to overcome the evil one. So the uh, victories will be more. Than the little uh, failures that we may have. Number two, it says that um, both in our in our obedience and in our failures, we have hope. What, what does that mean? You know, we are we we are called to walk in holiness before the Lord, but we are we are not called to uh, strictly. Um, uh, obey the law in that sense. Be under the law. It says we, we have the freedom of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians, it says uh, we are not burdened with the law, but we walk in the freedom of the Spirit. It says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry the desires of your flesh. Uh, Galatians 5.16 And in our so I said, it's so we in in obedience we have hope because we are not burdened by the law, but we walk in the Holy Spirit, and also in our failures when we do fail, when we do stumble, what does the word says? Right, the word says again what Dash quoted this morning, it says, um, um, "Come in repentance." When we come in repentance before the Lord. The Lord God is faithful, our Father is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He invites us, he says, come boldly, come boldly into my throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace in time of our need. And thirdly, because we have received mercy, because we have been shown kindness, we are going to be graceful and kind to those around us. We are not going to be treat them harshly. We are not going to hold grudges. We are not going to be mean to people. We are going to be kind. We are going to be gracious. We are going to be forgiving. Because that's what God, our Heavenly Father, has shown us. So we need to grow in that. And finally, finally, saints or people, or redeemed people are a people of profound. Joy. We are people, we should be people of profound joy. Because out of all the world, God has decided to show such mercy and grace to us. We've been saved, we've been set free, and we've been blessed beyond measure. Even in Philippians he says he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have, adapted, we have been adapted into sonship. We are a blessed people. So church, as I wind up, I know it's a short sermon because generally I go over time. I was determined to cut it short. Um, but um, uh, remember who you are in Christ. You've been adopted into sonship. You've been set apart. You've been made holy by the Lord himself. And he calls you son. He clothes you with the righteousness of Christ. And he says, now go and fulfill my purpose. And for me, the, of, uh, the uh, when, when he puts the ring on the finger and the shoes, it's like he's giving you authority. He's giving you the Father's authority and the shoes. He's giving you a purpose to walk and to spread the good news. We are a blessed people. Amen. So let me pray for you church and uh, we can close the service. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for what you have done for us. Oh God, Father Lord, you found us as sinners. You found us uh, filthy in our sins, dead in our transgressions. But Lord, you, you saved us because of your great mercy and your love for us. You raised us with Jesus Christ and you have seat, seated us in the heavenly places, O oh God. And Lord, you have poured out your mercy and your grace. You have filled us with your Holy Spirit. And I pray that um, as we go, Father, that we will remember who we are In Christ, Lord, who we are in you, Lord Jesus. We are saints. We are not sinners anymore. We've been set free from the power of sin. And I pray that you will help us to walk in that new identity and be a joyful people, oh God. So bless your people, oh Lord, as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you. God bless you.